Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Uh, Today on our show, we are going to be graced by the presence of a new IBC practitioner, certified practitioner, Becca Wilhite. And Cole's joining us today. Uh, Rachel is actually doing an audio uh, book recording today. And um, we are very, very happy that her book is really close to uh, coming out. And I hope all our listeners will uh, look into seeing what Rachel has to share with everybody, because what she took is that that uh, potentially horrendous thing that happened in her life where she almost died about three and a half years ago with her um, second child. And if you remember from the po- from previous podcast, it really affected her and her husband's life because <clears throat> they were pretty responsible. And and they had estate planning documents in place, but they realized that um, their family constitution was not formally being passed on to their children. And so Rachel put together in her book how you could actually take what you believe in and pass it down into the next generation. So that's uh, what she's working on today. So we're happy to have Becca Wilhite today in, and Becca's going to share her journey into not only IBC, but the practitioners program. And then we're also going to have Cole participate on things that he has heard uh, from certified practitioners and the trials and tribulations that people go through when they're trying to make uh, this decision to enter the IBC world. So Becca, Cole, welcome today. And Becca, Becca, why don't we start with you know, kind of your 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 history of, you know, where you came from, uh, your previous employment, your educational background, all the way up to the time that um, you thought, well, maybe I want to share the IBC journey with people. Yeah, you bet. So I think um, like probably most people, insurance was never on my, you know, my dream list when I was a kid. What are you going to be when you grow up? Oh, I'm going to be an insurance agent. You know, that never <laughs> crossed my mind. Um, I was a basketball player and kind of my whole world revolved around that. Um, went to went to college on a basketball scholarship and played all four years and thought I was going to do something. I, I didn't know. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to be a free spirit. I you know, go have all the experiences. I ended up actually living in South Africa for a little while, doing some mission work over there and um, landed back here in Plainview, Texas as a teacher and a coach, uh, which was a little, you know, boring for what I was really wanting to do. But, you know, it it worked out. It worked out really well. So um, did that for a while. I was on staff at a church for 11 years as a worship leader um, previously to this. And so, again, insurance never on my radar at all. But um, some friends of mine had gotten involved in um, a life insurance company or IMO here. And, and um, one of them had, had really gotten turned on to dividend paying whole life and what that could do and all the possibilities there. And, and uh, 
had gotten invited to a presentation, but I was also a huge Dave Ramsey um, follower. So I was going to ask you about that. So I'm glad you brought that in. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like listening to podcasts one after another on road trips kind of follower. It was, I was in deep for a little while there. And so as soon as I, I heard the strategy had something to do with whole life insurance, I was like, oh no, no, that's, that's dead from the get go. I'm not, I don't, I'm not interested at all. And um, as time went on, I had another friend, hey, she's coming to do this presentation. Would you, I, I know you kind of know about finances. Would you just come help me listen, help me think through this? And so I said, okay. And I was honestly just going to keep her from making a huge mistake. I'm like, I'm sure these people mean well, but this is just, it's got to be a scam. It's got to be a bad idea. So I went with my guard completely up, ready to just pick this thing apart. Um, but what I found instead was I never knew that life insurance could do that. Like, are you sure? Are you sure you're right about that? Are you? And I've always been kind of a fact checker anyway by nature. Um, so I, it made me curious. Is she? I'm sure she thinks she's telling the truth, but is that really the truth? And um, as as fate would have it, the next week or two, our whole family got COVID. This was 2020, and fortunately, it was very mild. But we still had, you know, we we're stuck at home for a month. And so I just started reading everything I could read about this. Honestly, at first to disprove it because I just wanted, in my mind, to know my position is right. You know, so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna figure out why this is what's wrong with this strategy so i read becoming your own banker i read the case for ibc i read building your warehouse of wealth and and, and sorted through a million things on the internet too you know and, and trying to figure out okay that's right that's not that you know figure out what's what's the truth in all this and the more i read the more i studied the more interested i got because i was thinking you know what this is so different from the status quo, this is so different from what we've been taught. I don't think it's wrong um, anymore. And so that just kind of started my, this epiphany, I guess, of, man, maybe, maybe th there is something to this. So um, kind of came full circle and I became convinced like, this is, this isn't, this is incredible. Um, found a, an agent here in my, in my area, started a policy. I learned a lot from him. Um, but I still, you know, I still was really green. I still didn't know a lot um, and and really felt like this is something people need to know about. So maybe I should join my friends in this insurance uh, marketing organization and and learn more about it. Right. That's that's what I was going to do. So mm -hmm. um, did that uh, for a couple of years. And, and, and that was good to kind of get a basic understanding of the insurance world and you know, making calls to people that don't want to talk to you. And I shed lots of tears. <laughs> I wasn't very good at that part of it. Um, and I did, I feel like I got a, a, a good foundation um, for, for the insurance world, but I still had lots of questions um, surrounding IBC and kind of, I really wanted to know past the basics, like why do things work? Mm -hmm. Why do things work like that? Um, I've heard the saying that some people just want to know what time it is. And some people want to know how the watch works. I was the one that wanted to know how the watch works. And so um, I'd been listening to the money advantage podcast for gosh, probably a year, 18 months. And and that's kind of had, had been where I, I landed as far as, okay, these are, these are people who know what they're talking about. They're giving me good information. It doesn't feel salesy. 
I'm be, I'm getting educated listening to this podcast. And so um, I think I had actually sent in my email to get a free video or something like that and kind of got on the email list and kept getting emails. And so one day I just responded to one. I reached out to Rachel and said, hey, I don't need a policy. I've already got a policy, but do you guys have any kind of agent focused training? Because I'm really desperately looking for that kind of thing. I'll pay you. I'll do, I'll do whatever. Um, and she wrote back and said, we really don't have anything like a course, but let me put you on Bruce's calendar. And, you know, you guys can talk about mentorship opportunities, that kind of thing. And y'all that I was absolutely shocked. I was absolutely shocked. That, that was her response because I was a little bit starstruck, to be honest. Um, these are people I'd watched, you know, week after week and, and learned from. And so Bruce was gracious, gracious enough to, to give me some time. And that was kind of the beginning of, of being a part of this. Um, so I'm forever grateful that that Bruce was was kind enough to give me give me an hour of his time to kind of tell my story. And and he's he's been so great to. Um, to teach me and to mentor me. Well, since- well, I I appreciate this. This isn't the, the this isn't the uh, the show that talks about how great we are. So let's let's focus a little <laughs> okay, bit more on on, <laughs> on on Becca. Um, you know, I think what what I uh, what this episode is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about how a person like yourself, uh, because we've talked about this before, the Dave Ramsey. Uh, kind of background. And, you know, I've compared Dave to my father, um, mm-hmm. who's a great man. I think Dave could be a great man. I mean, we're, we all have our flaws. We're all sinners, you know, I mean, so on and so forth. And, you know, Dave has done a really great things for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my father is one of the greatest people I've ever, ever been around. However, you know, he's a little stubborn. And, you know, my wife always tells me, you know, I love your dad, but don't, but don't turn into your dad because he's, he's pretty stubborn. And she calls me stubborn every once in a while too. And I tell her it's not stubborn. It's stubbornness. It's actually conviction. You have conviction on the way that you, but what, what you believe. The problem I see with Dave is that he has built an entire brand on a couple of really what he believes is really important facts. Stay out of debt. I think that's a wonderful mm-hmm. tenant. Um, but he's also built it on, you know, the way to build wealth is mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the things he says is just, it's parroted stuff that just isn't true. I mean, he talks about uninterrupted compounding. Well, he talks about compounding, which, he, which his, interpretation is uninterrupted of 12%. First of all, most mutual funds don't ever hit 12%, even for a year, much less throughout you know time. But he's convinced now about that. He's also convinced that you do term life insurance instead of whole life insurance. And he's also convinced that, the, that he knows how whole life insurance is constructed. Now, I believe that he has he has actually been enlightened that whole life insurance it has changed but he cannot change his stance on this because many people have actually reached out to him and have offered to 
talk about this on his show, and he has not taken anybody up on it. And the reason I think he hasn't taken up anybody up on it is because they're going to expose his either ignorance or his fact that he's frankly wrong on these yeah. things. So, but like you said, that's all right. Believe whatever Dave wants and go ahead. We, we're, we're trying to adopt that same strategy here at the Money Advantage. If you want to go be a 1090 person, if you want to, if you want to not think long term, like Nelson said, if you're afraid to capitalize, and what do I mean by that? Well, when you when you only build your base, a lot of times they say, "Well, we build the base at ten percent because that way, if there's a year that you cannot actually fund it, then you don't have to fund it the entire amount. You can only fit fund ten percent." Well, that's being afraid to capitalize, mm-hmm. and. That is something I think when a person's going through their IBC journey, there's a lot of flexibility on how you pay your premium, even if it's even if it's a little higher. And we we can help people along in that journey. So thanks for bringing in the Dave Ramsey. Thanks for talking so nicely about us. Uh, we actually, you know, we get a lot of these inquiries, and this is the next thing I want to talk about. Is yes, you reached out. Yes, you're a learner. Yes, we served you in the way that. You needed to be served at the time, and we encourage a lot of people to reach out, um, and we will help them if they have the right mindset. But now let's move into the practitioner's program. I encourage you to become an, a practitioner, and why don't you um, share with the audience a little bit about the practitioner's program and what you thought about it before and what you think about it now, and then we'll move into the think tank afterwards. Okay, sure. Um, You know, I think as before coming into this industry, I would have thought of myself as a a fairly financially literate layperson. Um, But I learned things going through that practitioner's course that I'd never heard of in my life. Um, you know, that it's not the stuff that you hear on the evening news about the stock market and and took diving into Austrian economics and the business cycle and all these things. I mean, I felt like I was I was taking a graduate level college course, really. Um, and in a little bit of honestly was was a little bit overwhelming, um, but it was good for me. It was it, it helped me to grow. And do you need to know all that, all those things and in, in talking, having a conversation with a client? on a basic level, maybe not, but you need to know it as a foundation of why this works, of why this system, um, of the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, And so in in that way, I thought it was it was really, really valuable. And of course, you know, being able to to learn from Nelson directly, even even through video um, now that he's passed on, I think that's that's really important. I'm, you know, kind of that second generation of IBC practitioner that never Never knew Nelson personally, but well, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Yes. Yeah, but but learning, you know, learning from you, Bruce, of of something, who, someone who was trained trained by Nelson. I think that's important um, because you know there's all sorts of of things out there on the internet that call themselves IBC, but if you don't go back to the source of where that came from, you know, I I think that's the best place to start, right? Of of yeah. getting a firm foundation on what did. Nelson came up with this. What was his thought process? What was he trying to accomplish? And why does it matter? Why does it matter? And you have to have kind of an understanding 
of of those economic um, those economic things to to be able to answer those questions. Um, so it was it was super. It wasn't easy. It was not easy. It was it was a lot. It's a huge thick notebook and lots of videos, but it was very 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 good. So I'm I'm super thankful that you that you encouraged me to do that. Well, I appreciate that. And, and then Cole, why don't we bring your perspective in? Because uh, you've been working side by side, you know, with us for at least what is it? About? So about over two years now, correct? Yeah, about three and, years. Yeah, and uh, you have your MBA, which is impressive in its own right. Um, and then we have other people, younger people in our office that have their MBA, and you know they talk. And you work, you work in our operations department. You're transitioning to your next level, but. Um, talk a little bit about how different the world is being taught in your MBA programs to where, you know, we at the Money Advantage and E3 Wealth actually take people's monies differently. And once again, it's not right or wrong where, you know, if some people believe only in the stock market, go believe in the stock market. We actually look at finances um on an individual level, uh, personal finance is personal, a lot of people say. So you have to believe what you believe. So how did, how did the, your MBA training and then how your journey alongside the Money Advantage and E3, how, does, how has that opened your eyes, both good and bad? Yeah. So uh, as far as the MBA education goes, um, it was obviously very formal. And as you would expect, it was a lot of equations, a lot of mathematics, capex, derivatives, you know, how the stock market works, et cetera. A lot of things that uh, are good to know, but in practical use, at least in the industry that I'm working in currently, you know, isn't very applicable. Um, one thing that I really appreciated and learned from not only you, Bruce, but the money advantage and um, the people here at E3 is the mindset aspect. Um, like Becca alluded to, a lot of these things are are good to know, but um, until you really understand uh, how money works and the different perspectives you have to take, then um, you probably don't understand finance the way you should. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is uh, the money advantage is really taught the more practical real life use um, of and just thinking outside of the box as well as far as different strategies um like becca said there's a lot of things that i was taught in an mba course but um learning from you and from the money manage e3 um i would probably would have never learned um for example like the infinite banking concept um different investment types uh, etc yeah and i think that's i think that's what we're trying to do uh here today you know Becca is a new practitioner. Uh, she's sharing her journey, how she came with into the IBC con uh, concept, and then also how she decided to share this, becoming a practitioner, becoming an insurance agent, uh, to help people in their educational process. And that educational process is one that's personal for people. Uh, we actually call it a personal economy. And you have to believe what you believe along the along the way. Um, I've said this before on the show. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Simon Sinek. He's a marketing expert. And Simon says, you know, you don't have to 
share your goods and services with everybody. You just want to share your goods and service with people who believe what you believe. And so that is what we're attempting to do. If you believe that, um, you know, you want to go 1090, get all the cash value right now, you're not, you don't worry about the possible repercussions in the long run on that and in the short run, then go do it. Um, but just don't be in our community and don't try to con convince us of this. Um, we are here with uh, Nelson, who, whose legacy uh, we're trying to protect. He's been, he was in the eight, uh, insurance um, business for 60 plus years. He actually took out his first policy, I believe at age, I have to go back in my notes. He was either, I know it was no later than age 15. He actually took one out very, very early. And so we are attempting to actually leverage all that wisdom over that long time period. And whole life has stood the, the, the test of time through many economic cycles. So let's talk a little bit, Becca, about the boom and bust cycle. So it is something that people are going on around their daily lives and now they cannot figure out why interest rates have gone up so much. And they think it's just a, it, a lot of people think it's a way that banks are greedy, whether with their mortgage, their car loans, their, their credit card uh, situations. But it's really about the way that banks obtain capital and the Federal Reserve is artificially has manipulated, um, has manipulated interest rates. Mm -hmm. And what the Austrians say, they believe that they, they should ever, never be artificially in, uh, manipulated. The free market should decide what the interest rates are. In other words, you know, um, the bank would say, hey, I'm trying to get capital. I have to raise interest rates on the savings accounts and money markets a CD to a point where I get enough capital into my bank so that I can loan it. And then I'm going to loan it as high of an interest rate that people will actually pay. And there's a balance there. And uh, for people that know my, one of my first professions was a biology teacher. There's something in ecology called the climax community. It's about how many organisms can be in a certain area and balance so that they have enough to eat, they have, they have enough to, uh, uh, water resources that they can obtain a perfect balance, a balance where when one is born, another one dies. So you don't get out of balance. I often talk about, you know, several acres of rabbits would overtake very quickly and and eat too much. So then predators come in and keep the rabbit population lower. But if too many predators come in, they they eat too many rabbits and then there's no more rabbits for them to eat. So then they have to leave. And then rabbits reestablish that area. So it goes like this. Well, that's what we often do in nature is we try to fix nature. By we say we got to get rid of this predator, or we got to get more of these things in here to take care of nature. It's the same thing that the Federal Reserve does. 
oh, we have a problem. Let's lower interest rates. Well, what, that, what does that do? It actually floods the market with money. And now we have what's called malinvestments. People are spending money on things, are starting businesses that they have no right to start businesses with. But they think, oh, well, I got $200,000 to start this business and I'm only paying 3% interest on it. So even if it fails, I can still pay off the loan. Well, that's, that causes people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. So, so then what, the, what does the Federal Reserve do? They say, okay, now we have too much of this money out there. We have to contract it so they raise interest rates. So this stops. There's all kinds of things that hurts that um, in the long run too. So understanding the boom and bust cycle and the Austrian economics and bringing the banking function back to the you and me level to where insurance companies, yes, they're interest rate sensitive with the Federal Reserve, but they are in a smaller time frame. And so what happens is then people are adjusting their habits of using the policy that it makes the most sense. And that actually helps them take the interest rates from the Federal Reserve out of their life or the bank out of their life. Now, does the insurance company still charge a rate? Yes. Does the dividend still based upon Federal Reserve rates? Yes. But at least they're doing the banking on the you and me level. And that's where you're controlling the banking function. So thanks for bringing uh, that in. Let's talk a little bit now about the think tank. Um, I talked to you one day and I said, I really think you should go. I know you're new, um, but I really think you would get out of it, a lot about it. Talk a little bit about your hesitation and then what the think tank was, was like for you. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I, I think Bruce, you gave me a, a good piece of advice when you said it's never a good time and you, you've never had a good enough year to justify the expense or the cost and all that. And and, you know, you can make all, there's all sorts of justifications not to do things like that and, and really invest in yourself. But, um, but I'm, I'm so thankful that I did, did take that opportunity. Um, I feel like, you know, Nelson used to say that IBC is more caught than taught. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happened for me at the think tank of being around 200 other like-minded people that. And really, I was really pleasantly surprised that I didn't feel like the message was so much about this is how you sell insurance. The message was about how can we help people come to a place of freedom in their finances? Because we have something here. We have a message that can help people get free. Um, how do we deliver that most effectively? How, you know, and it was more about helping others than it was, hey, we're going to be a, a big time insurance producer. You know, there just wasn't that 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 air about yeah, it. There, yeah, there's no there's no rah rah sales. No, no, about. not yeah. at all. And you know, and I think you were just mentioning Bruce the banking function, and and I think I think there's a difference between like just creative insurance design and practicing the infinite banking concept. And I think those on social media get really blurred sometimes. Um, but I think the difference is capturing the banking function. And I didn't honestly understand what that meant. I mean, in my head, maybe, okay, yeah, you want to get rid of the banks in your life. But I think the think tank helped bring some clarity to 
to what that means. It doesn't mean I'm not going to use a bank for my, my checking account. I'm not going to have a debit card to go to the grocery store. Like, no, let's that let's keep that in place. That's really convenient and helpful, right? But when it comes to where you store your money and how you finance the purchases of your life, let's control that ourselves. We can we can handle that ourselves and, and do that in a way that benefits the individual rather than rather than the making system. And because I think what we're taught is okay, you need to you need, once you start your job, you need to put all your retirement money away. You're going to lock it up to your 59 and a half, and that's going to take care of you later. But now in the meantime, you still have these big purchases you need to make along the way, but all your money's locked up. So you're going to have to go finance that somewhere and pay a bunch of interest and, and pay it back on their terms and all those kinds of things. And so to me, the banking function was more about, hey, I can control that. I can be responsible with the future, but I can also take care of the needs that I have right now. Um, and that feels a lot more freeing than, than planned by somebody else's rules. So I think there was a lot of, of clarity around, maybe around that. Um, and then just the energy and the positivity and um, the camaraderie, I think, between between agents. It was just a lot of fun. I, I'm really a people person. I really enjoyed getting to know um, the fellow practitioners and I'll for sure be back uh, next year. So yeah, and uh, you made a couple of comments that I'd like to spur your memory on to me is uh, for your memory from me is that you were surprised how some of the people that you had, you had listened to their podcast and were, you know, been in the industry for a long time, how they just talked to you and gave you little tidbits and, huh. and you, you and I had spent very little time together during that time period, because you were talking to so many people that you had never met and I'm talking to new people and we, you and I did not spend a lot of time together during those couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, there wasn't, you know, you go to some things like this and it's like, you kind of have the the superstars over here and they have their own thing and they have their own, you know, they're kind of separated from everybody else. It, it wasn't like that at all. It was, everybody was so humble and approachable and, and willing to, willing to help, willing to have a conversation, um, seem genuinely interested in, in meeting, meeting me or meeting, you know, whoever and finding out about them. And so it just, it's a really incredible, um, community of people is kind of what I took away from that. Well, uh, we have a question for you, uh, on YouTube. Fritz wants to know, and he's one of our greatest listeners. He wants to know, what do you think, um, is what is the most challenging aspect of trying to get people to understand the concept, the infinite banking concept, the most challenging thing? Man, you know, I think, I think a lot of people get tripped up when you say life insurance and because everybody already has their own perception of that good, bad, or otherwise. And so when, when that, when you tell them what this is, they have a reaction to that. Right. And usually it's, kind of looking at you squinting out of one eye, right? Um, so I really try to hammer home the fact that, look, life insurance is just a tool, just like money's just a tool. We're just, if we could do this some other way, if we could, re, <clears throat> excuse me, become our own banker some other way with a, a can of pennies or a box of rocks, we would do it that way. Life insurance just happens to be um, the avenue that already has everything in place. Uh, the system's already there. You just have to plug into it rather than recreate 
something, um, why not just use what's already there? So I think that's a challenge sometimes because they come in saying, you know, with this mindset of, okay, well, how little do I have to pay for how big a death benefit? How does, you know, that's kind of the, and it's so backwards. It's, it's no, how much can we put into this? How much can we have the right to put into this um, to create this, this pool of, of capital, this pool of resource? And, and yes, there's a death benefit and that's super important. Um, but that's, that's not the primary reason that we're doing this. Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that I have um, people have to overcome is this idea that it doesn't make any sense that your money is getting, um, it's still compounding while you're, you can actually borrow against it and use it. And I was very careful how I said that because one of the things that drives me crazy is when people say, oh, you can have your money working in, in two places. You can put it in and then you can take it out and you can have it work somewhere else. And people, and I know good, smart people are like, wait a minute, that's impossible. You can't put it in somewhere, have it work for you there and then take it out and have it work for you some, someplace else. And the fact of the matter is that's poor language skills. You're not taking your money out. That's why it works. Your, your money is still at the insurance company. It's still earning interest and dividends. And you're paying for life insurance with uh, the not only the premium, but any of the proceeds that you're making on it. And then you actually use it as collateral along with your death benefit to actually borrow against using the reserves of the insurance company. And then you can use that to actually go make another investment or go finance something with that. Then the second most difficult thing, I think, is when people are like, well, I don't want to pay interest. Why would I want to pay interest to borrow my own money? Where does that phrase come from, Becca? It comes from Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. He says all the time, why do you want to pay interest borrowing your own money? Well, the, that's another fact that why Dave doesn't understand this is you're not borrowing your own money. You're actually borrowing money from the insurance company. Your money stays in there, continues to earn interest and dividends. Yes, you're borrowing money from the insurance company. And yes, you're paying in interest to the insurance company. But guess who owns the insurance company? You do. <laughs> so you're actually paying interest to an entity that you actually own. That is a good thing. That's kind of like the steal the peas in Nelson's becoming your own banker. Or I've talked about this on many occasions. <clears throat> I had a restaurant, craft beer, whiskey place. When I went there and I, I didn't just grab a bottle of whiskey off the shelf. I didn't just get some barbecue and not pay for it. I actually would pay for it. Why? Because that went back into the business to help the business. It's the same concept. Yes, you're paying interest. Now, the other part is, is when people say, well, I heard somebody say that I'm recapturing all the interest that I'm paying. And that comes from Nelson's idea of, hey, if this is your own entity, your own bank, and you're going to benefit from it, don't stop at just paying the interest that the insurance companies 
charging you, pay more interest to you because that interest is going to go to you. Now, that's confusing to a lot of people, but what Nelson was just saying is these specially designed life insurance contracts actually have PUAs or paid up addition riders on them. We don't have time to go into this in this show, but if you're a listener, you'll understand that. So Nelson said, pay more into the paid up additions. So if the insurance company is paying, charging you 5%, Nelson's saying, charge yourself 10%. Have it automatically drafted out of your checking account, and that money goes into your PUAs. People are always like, well, what's the interest rate you're getting? What is the interest rate you're paying? None of that matters because what you're doing is you're actually building a bigger pool of money that you can use in the future. And so that, I would say those concepts, along with what you already mentioned, are things that are most difficult. So Fritz, once again, uh, great question. All right. What are some of the trends you're seeing, both good and bad, uh, Cole, uh, from us meeting uh, people? And then, Becca, I'll ask the same question of you. So, Cole, from the pe- people we've been meeting you know, for the last six, eight months, let's talk about some of the trends we've been seeing from their questions, their misconceptions, so on and so forth. Yeah, so a lot of the trends we've been seeing in, in meetings um, as far as prospects' mindset towards whole life insurance and uh, the IBC strategy. Um, it's mostly just from information on the internet, just a plethora of information on the internet. Bruce always says, what's the saying you always say? There's a, there's a lot of information out there, but not a lot of wisdom. Yes. And so a lot of times in meetings, we're, we're trying to either debunk some of the things they've heard or prove some of the things they've heard to be false um, and trying to get them to adopt the mindset um, like like Becca has with um, thinking outside of the box, using these strategies to to help your personal economy, and then not not diving into the details and and um, thinking of this thing as a savings alternative rather than an investment, and thinking about the numbers thirty years into the future. Well, really good point, Colin. You know, people get this confusion about knowledge and wisdom. You can have a lot of knowledge, but wisdom is how you apply that knowledge in your daily life. And the wisdom part comes out of actually making mistakes in the past and and wanting not to repeat those mistakes. That's what true wisdom is um, and to help people along that journey. So what are some of the trends you're seeing, Becca? And by the way, JJ Joyce has such a good journey to hear about today, Becca the baller. So I guess he's referring to your uh, basketball days. Yeah. What are some of the trends you're seeing? You know, I think probably the the thing I see the most is people who come in and from what they've heard um, or what they've seen on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, it's this kind of instant gratification mindset of, okay, so I can, I can put this in and how fast can I get it out? And then I'm going to put it in and, and how much do I have to pay? And then I'm, I'm going to get it right back out. And, and not that you can't do that, right? You can, you can do that. But I, I try to help people see, hey, we're, we're planting a seed here, not transplanting a tree, <laughs> right? Is, is kind of the, the mindset I try to steer people towards um, because some of the things Nelson taught, you know, you have to think long range. 
Um, sometimes when you try to have that instant gratification mindset, you're you're cutting off the long-term growth of your policy. You're you're having you're gonna have roadblocks down the road the road um, of not being afraid to capitalize, like you kind of kind of mentioned earlier, uh, Bruce. And so um, I think that's probably the the main message that people are getting is this is just a place to to like flip your money almost real quick and and go do something else. And and again, you you can do that, but I think as a beginner. You're, you're setting yourself up for problems if you try to attack it that way. Very good. So we have some more questions and then comments. So uh, this for, is for Becca, this question uh, from Latoya Jones. I have followed Dave Ramsey's teaching for many years in order to pay down debt. I've had term life for 10 years. How are you able to help people transition? That's a really, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I, I think it's still a good idea to get out of debt. I, I think that's, that's still, a, that's still a great idea. Um, and I think it really, unfortunately, there's not an overnight fix that, co- that comes down to making good decisions, being disciplined, developing good money habits. And, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Um, and, and I think, you know, Bruce, you've said before, Dave's really good at getting people out of debt but not necessarily building, building wealth um, because if you wait until, I don't know, if, you, if, you're, if you're waiting until you get out of debt to start saving, then you're, you're losing that time. Um, help mm-hmm. me out, Bruce, here. I feel like I'm kind of losing. No, you're, you're right. You're, just, you're losing the compounding situation. Although, you know, you always have to take into consideration your own personality, I, I tell people. Yeah. If you're one of those people that knows that you're just going to fall back into your old habits, mm-hmm. then I tell people, you better just pay off your debt first, then come back to talk to me. I tell this to people all the time when they, because out there in the YouTube land, social media land, there's a lot of people peddling this as a way to get out of debt. So they'll say, you know, instead of paying off your debt, capitalize a policy and then borrow against the policy to pay your debt. Well, if a person could do that consistently, they wouldn't be in debt in the first place. You know, so what ends up happening is a person starts a policy, they they actually borrow against it to pay off their debt, but then they just keep recreating the debt again. So now they have a debt in their policy. And they have a debt in their credit card or their car loan or so on and so forth. So that is a problem to do that. If you have changed your mindset or if you have had a situation that is a one-time situation that came up that you didn't expect. I'll give you an example or several examples that have come up is one, a medical situation. So you had broken your leg. You didn't have great insurance, so you accumulated $30,000 in medical bills that had nothing to do with your bad habits. Mm-hmm. Or you had, a, you had a parent, this has happened a couple of years ago, a parent that had to be moved into a nursing home, and that cost money for the family. So the family actually accrued some debt there to do that. The mother passed away, and so now they were... They weren't accruing it, but they didn't accrue that debt because of poor money habits. 
Mm-hmm. So then, yes, it probably does make sense to go right. ahead and and do that because you're going to be earning interest and dividends and compounding sooner than than actually waiting to do that. Yeah, I think that can absolutely work. It's not that it can't work. It's just that you're going to have to really have that mind. It's the same reason, you know, you can any diet plan will work, but you have to stick with it. Right. You can't go back right. to your old right. habits and expect that to work. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Um, there's a lot of people who that I have known that have successfully paid off debt using that strategy. You've just got to know what you're getting into and make sure you're not just using that as another line of credit to run up. All right. So they also said, I've had term life for over 10 years. How are you able to help people transition? So the first thing we would do is we would actually see if your term life is sufficient enough to actually protect your family. So this there's a misconception um, that IBC does not care about the death benefit. And that's because Nelson talks about that financing in your life, it, there's a much greater need for financing in your life than there is a need for protection. That doesn't mean he said... <laughs> that you don't need protection. He said, just there's a greater need for it. So first of all, I, I, first of all, I applaud you for having any kind of life insurance. Uh, there are tons of people out there that do not have any life insurance. Um, so first we'd have to see how much life insurance you have and see if that is actually enough to protect your family. Because a lot of people think, oh, I have plenty of life. I've had people tell me this over the years. Oh, I have $500,000 of term at my work. That's plenty. Well, how much do you make a year? Oh, I make a good living. I make $150,000. And I'm like, okay, let's, and I try to be respectful and I try not to make them feel bad. But sometimes you just got to call spade a spade. I'm like, okay, let's just think about this logically. Uh, $500,000, if you can get 5% return. On that $500,000, that's $25,000 that your family has, not $150,000, okay? That's if you don't eat into the principal. If you say, well, they can just spend down the $500,000, well, that's only a little over three years worth of $150,000. People underestimate how much they need to actually protect their family. So... Uh, Ms. Jones, I say I would say that the transition is doing exactly what Becca did. She actually went and sought a lot of different people's opinions. He wanted to look at the inner workings because you have to be confident in order that the future is going to be different if you make those changes. Changes. If you're not confident that they're, it's going to be different, you're not going to make the changes permanent. You're going to make the changes on a short-term basis. We have a ton of things coming in, so let's get to the next one. Oh, we have somebody just said, hey, good evening, coming in from South Africa. Didn't you say you spent some time in South Africa, Becca? Yeah, I lived in, lived in Cape Town for nine months. It was such yeah. a beautiful place. And then Drew says, how does this benefit uh, your personal life? So let me, I'll talk about it and then. Uh, Becca, won't you throw it in a little bit? So I have six of these policies. The first way it benefited from me is my own father took out a policy on me 
1963, first year of life. He gave it to me when I got married. And I was actually able to borrow against it with my wife to buy her first house. So I had capital that my father developed over time that I was able to not stress out about it. I, I bought my first home at 23 years old. And I know that sounds weird. My wife was 21. Now people cannot even imagine buying a home that early in life. Uh, but it was simple. I had the capital. So we, we, put the, we put it down and we bought our first home at 23 years old. We paid it back. I got into the industry late in the 80s, bought another policy, and we capitalized that. Did a career move, moved to Southern California, borrowed against that to buy our new home in Southern California in 2001. I didn't meet Nelson until 2009. So I tell, and Nelson didn't write his book till 2000, and I didn't even read it till 2009. So I tell people I was doing infinite banking before it was cool. So the thing about it is, is that this is not something that Nelson made up that you could do. Uh, what Nelson did was he put guidelines on it. He put his wisdom through the human behavior things, the Parkinson's law, the golden rule, the arrival syndrome, all of these things that help people change their mindset. Then just recently, my wife um, said that she, she didn't like how big her car was. And Nelson used to always say, Mary gets a car every four years whether she likes it or not that was his wife and he would just borrow from the policy he would capitalize or he capitalized first he would he would borrow against the policy he would go buy a car he would pay it back and then he would take the car he thought that was the sweet spot he would say now it still has good value he would trade it in with the trade-in value He'd have enough back in his policy, not only paying back the loan, but continue to pay the premiums, and he would just rinse and repeat. So I did the same thing recently. My wife and I, it was very easy. Even though there's high interest rates out there for cars, the insurance company was actually lower interest rates, but we didn't do it like that. The, the, we didn't care about that because it wasn't that significant. It was like a quarter of a per percent lower. People, people get all bent out of shape of, on that quarter percent. Now, I don't mind that it's a quarter percent. But the greatest thing was, is we just picked out a car and wrote a check for it. You know, it was so simple. We didn't have to, we didn't have to mess with the bank. We didn't have to ask permission. We didn't have to pray to God whether they were going to, you know, allow us to have money. We just were able to do it. It's such a great, Nelson got all the banks out of his life when he was 67 years old. And he said it was the most freeing thing for him, that he could just live his life. Nobody could tell him whether he could have something or not. Nobody could, could look at him financially and say, you have to prove to me that you're worthy of this. And so that's how I've used it. How, how have you used it, Becca? Well, you know, most, most recently, um, we have started remodeling our kitchen. And my husband's doing a lot of it. So that always, you know, he's, he's very handy, which can be, you know, a, a double-edged sword. Um, but there's a significant cost to that. And so that's really the first time we've, we're, we're going to take a sizable policy loan um, to finance something that honestly, we probably wouldn't have done if we didn't have this system in place. 
Um, you know, Nelson talks about the seen and the unseen, and you can see the numbers on the page and you can see the illustrations and all those kinds of things. But when you start this, what you don't see is the peace of mind, the freedom that that brings. Because the reason we probably wouldn't have done that before is because, yes, we could have taken that money from somewhere else to pay for it. But then it's like, okay, wait, but we don't want to interrupt the growth of that because we need that in the future. Great point. Okay. Fritz, Fritz, Fritz just made that point. Fritz is so good at making points. He said, capital <laughs> with any lost opportunity cost throughout your lifetime is possibly the smartest capital accumulation ever. Where is the capital coming from? Is it from your banking system? Yeah. And you, you just he just reinforced what you said and you reinforced what he said. It's You're not afraid to do that because you know you're not interrupting the right. actual growth in your policy. Right. We can pay that back on our own schedule. We have three kids. They're involved in a million things. There's all sorts of stuff that comes up. You know, if there's, if, if, if something comes up and we can't pay on that for six months, it's okay. I, I mean, that's, that's such a freeing feeling to know that as long as we put that money back, eventually it's there again. And we can use it over and over and over for whatever we need for opportunities that come along. And we haven't penalized ourselves into the future for doing that. And that is an extremely freeing um, place to be. Yeah. And if you read the, if you read becoming your own banker, um, you're actually going to understand what Nelson said. You can do this with other uh, financial tools. You know, you can, you can actually do it with a HELOC. You can do it with just a CD. You um, you could also do it just with your savings account if you want it. If you could put it up as collateral and the bank will, will accept it. Um, and so you can do this, but you're getting other, you're, you're actually paying according to their schedule. Mm -hmm. That's what drives me crazy when people say, oh, well, I'm going to use a third party lender. That way I don't have to borrow from my insurance policy. And the third party lender actually is giving me the loan at one percentage point less than the insurance company is. But now you have to pay on their term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And try to miss a payment, see what happens. And we have people all the time in our um, our clients that will call us up and say, hey, I'm paying, I'm paying six hundred dollars a month, <clears throat> but my kid just has to have braces now. And can I lower that to $400 a month? So we lower it to $400 a month and it takes the stress off of it. But if you would have had that on a credit card and you sold the credit card company, I'm not paying you $600 a month this month. I'm going to pay you $400. That not only is it, go, they're not going to accept that. You're going to be in default. You're going to get a 30 day late, a 60 day late, a 90 day late. But it's also going to trigger other things of the credit card that are not very advantageous. They could actually stop, you know, uh, you're, you allowing you to use the card. So there's a lot of things like this. A home equity line of credit is another way that people can understand the concept mm -hmm. because your house is an appreciated asset. It's not as uh, asset. It's not guaranteed to go up like a life insurance policy, but historically they'd normally go up. You could borrow against that house and do an investment or heck, I know a lot of people that use it to for cars. It's the same concept. However, 
they actually have to pay it back on their particular schedule. So great questions, great comments today. Everybody's doing uh, this. Dr. McFarland studio says, howdy folks, IBC for life. And I, you know, that's a great, that's a great point right there. This is a way of life. Okay. This isn't some magical thing you do one year or two years. And then you say, see, I told you it didn't work. (laughs) Well, that, that would be like doing the carnivore diet, losing 40 pounds, and then going back and eating all the starches and carbohydrates and stuff and see, see, I told you that carnivore diet wouldn't work. So it, this is a way of life. You have you have to capitalize. Cap- your you have your money has to sit somewhere. Nelson used to always talk about that. It ha- why not flow it through your bank? I mean, it flows through somebody else's bank, so why not flow it through your bank? All right, we're getting close to the end now. Uh, we're getting a lot more questions coming in, but people are asking. Um, let me see. I have one more thing. Oh. How does the death benefit bring peace of mind into your life, Becca? Well, I mean, I think that's easy. Just knowing that if if something happened to me, my family's taken care of. Um, they're not, you know, because I think, you know, you can never, you can't relieve the emotional trauma of a death like that in the family. But it kind of adds if we can relieve the financial part of that and people aren't having to worry about finances during that time, I mean, you need need some time to grieve, you know? And so I think um, we, we hope that, that that doesn't happen for a really, really long time, but just knowing that our family's going to, they're going to be okay financially. They're going to have time to, to grieve and do the things they need to do. That brings a tremendous peace of mind. Yeah. um, I've had to deliver checks. Um, a couple times in my career. And um, you're right, it doesn't relieve the emotional uh, trauma, but it sure in the heck relieves the financial trauma people. And this is the part of the infinite banking concept. I believe people minimize all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I've had I've had people in my fin- in my financial planning, um, my securities world, who have made the comment because we do a, we're trying to do estate planning, and they're like, "Well, we don't have to do estate planning. Whatever's left over, whatever's left over is left over." I hope I write my last check and it bounces. I, I've done enough for my kids, you know, and, and that that's really bothersome. Sometimes when I hear that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm even wondering if I want to do business with people that are that disconnected from their family. Elon Musk recently posted a picture of himself looking at his child. And he said, I thought this was very profound and I'm paraphrasing here, so don't hold me to this, but he basically said, my child did not choose to be born into this world. My wife and I chose to have the child. So we owe them everything to make sure that they have the best life possible. And I thought, that's a great, you know, people either love or hate Elon Musk. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the man. I tend to have a more positive experience with him. But now I have even a greater experience with him that's positive because of that statement right there. Rachel's doing this with her legacy planning 
Money does not corrupt your child. Money exposes the corruption of your child. (laughs) And that's what happens all the time. So don't worry about, you said it earlier, money is a tool to help you through life. Having more of that money is just going to be more helpful for your children to get through life. It doesn't mean that it's going to make it less if if you've taught them properly. All right, the last one here. um, Natalia Jones says, thanks for the insight. I was just reviewing an ESA or 529 plan. Seems like a whole life policy would be good for the long term rather than the term they currently have. Thanks for sharing your words. You know, let's talk, let's talk about that. I know we're right at the top of the hour, but let me just, if you don't mind, Becca, let me just kind of summarize this for people uh, to close the show. Um, 529 plants have some tax advantages. And now they're actually a little better because you don't tie your money up all the way to a secondary college education. You can actually use it in um, private education before they get to college. So you have to check your own rules in your state, you know, so on and so forth. But um, that's good. The problem with them, though, is when you get money, and I know this because I taught in a private school, private Catholic school in St. Louis. And I was the director of admissions. So I, I have firsthand the knowledge of this. Private schools generally use the college FAFSA form, which a college FAFSA form is a financial form that talks about what kind of aid you can receive. So even private grade schools and high schools across the United States use this form. On that form, you have to put Everything that you have as far as an asset, except cash-valued life insurance. Now, what happens there is then they have what's called a expected family contribution. So you put everything on that form, and it kicks out, oh, this person we expect can make a contribution for education at X. It might be $10,000. The higher the 529 plans that you save for college, the higher your family expected contribution is going to be because they're like, oh, look, they have that money that's targeted for education. Now, I have high income earners and high net worth people for clients, and they always tell me the same thing. Well, Bruce, we're never going to receive any financial aid anyway. We make too much money. We have too many assets. Logically, that's true. In practicality, it's not. Becca, what was the exact name of the college you went to? Wayland Baptist University. Wayland Baptist University, a private university, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And they have different criteria for their tuition. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, hey, you know, we're going to try to get you regular financial aid from the government, whether it's Pell Grant or student loans or if you're you know, whatever the the government, both state and federal, but then they have their own scholarships that they have within the university. That is where this comes into play. Because if you can legally not put your cash value on and your child is wanted by 
the Baptist University, and they have two children. One has a bunch of 529 plans, and one doesn't, but they have a lot of cash in their cash value. They're actually expected family contribution is going to be more for the person that has a 529 plans. And if they want this person and they say, well, they, their family can only, we can only expect 10,000. And if they really want them, the private universities will give them lower tuition in some form because they got all, they can, they can privately decide to lower the tuition however they want if they really want that person. So it does give you more options. It doesn't grow as much, and we can talk about that later on because of the time value of money, because the cash values, the net present value of a future death benefit, and obviously a five-year-old's time to get to that future death benefit is a lot greater, so it doesn't grow as much, but um, it has a lot of advantages. All right, is there anything, Cole or Rebecca, that you want to close the uh, show with today as far as last comments? Could I just piggyback on what you just said with the wisdom of a 12-year-old? Uh, my parents had a had a fund set aside to help with the kids' college education, and, and we decided to put those into um, an IBC-type policy for them. And when we're talking through that with the kids, my oldest was 12 at the time, and I said, hey, would you rather have, like, some money for college that you could use and spend and then be gone forever? Or would you rather have some money for college that you could borrow to, to help with those expenses and then pay it back and then use it again and again and again for the rest of your life. And he looked at me and he said, well, duh, the second one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, he saw it as pretty simple. That was a simple choice for him. <laughs> yeah. Nicole, is there any other questions that you've seen on uh, different social media platforms or any other closing comments you want to make today? Yeah, no, no other questions. Uh, I think you guys did a great job today. Becca, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Very good. Yeah, Becca, thank you for joining us. I'm actually traveling, seeing, uh, I just want to remind people I'm traveling, seeing a couple clients now. And then uh, on Sunday, I'm leaving for Boulder, Colorado for the first annual uh, Practitioners Council, which I'm a part of, the Nelson Nash Institute uh, retreat, where we are going to set the vision. Uh, it'll be a fluid vision, but set the vision for at least the next year for the Nelson Nash Institute and set some long range plans. So uh, look at the Infinite Banking uh, YouTube channel for more updates on that. And as always, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business that you love. Until next time, thank you. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. 
The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.